Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Live Your Edge podcast. This is Gilbert Joy, your host. Today on the show, uh, we have Alone Brown, who is a modern-day Renaissance man. He has been a member of Israeli's Cyber Special Forces Unit, a marine biologist, a movement, a body movement teacher, an online marketing guru, a children's book author, a business accelerator strategist, and a decision-making coach for business leaders. Alone has recently published a new book called The Entrepreneur Journey, who himself has also been a serial entrepreneur and is now available on Amazon. Welcome to the Live Your Edge podcast. This is Gilbert Joy, your host. The Live Your Edge podcast is where I interview seven and eight figure entrepreneurs, influencers, and successful business owners who in their own right were able to create a life on their own terms. We talk a lot about stepping out of your comfort zone, but what does it really mean to be in discomfort and how you can expand your so-called comfort zone by being able to constantly test and challenge yourself. So welcome to the show, Alon. I'm glad to have you here today. Thank you, Gilbert. Happy to be here. You know, you have tried a lot of different, what would I say, career paths, or you have a lot of passions and interests. So walk us kind of through it. What kind of gauged your, what sparked this journey of yours? What is spark the journey? I guess like I, I've been thinking about that because I know to create a passion for different, you know, areas and I dive into investigations and uh, I, I have a lot of passion like every few months I dive into a new subject and like really research this and I think this is a, this happened like in a I come from a religious family and I guess like a part of the religious Jewish education is like a we ask ourselves questions and we try to contradict everything and like a existing I don't know how to say it like a existing it's existential, existential crisis, questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess for me, it's like with the years, uh, I think when you leave some belief system and I kind of left the belief system of the religious belief system, then uh, you're just looking for another purpose and you look for another meaning and the, the, you try to, to make sense of things. And I think this was a main drive, like looking for a purpose. So all the time, what is my purpose? What is my goal? What is my... So all the time I have this drive to look in something in mysterious things, I guess. This is a this is a basic. So it sounds like there was something that you believe, you know, were religious and uh, you had certain beliefs that you now are not, you don't believe anymore. And throughout your journey, I'm sure that there's a lot of different beliefs that you had to possibly unlearn, relearn. Yeah. Um, exactly. So kind of share with us what kind of what was the hardest thing for you to to change your mind on or to unlearn you were diving very deep uh, very fast huh <laughs> well we we, we we kind of move around <laughs> yeah yeah belief that it was difficult for me like to unlearn look there was a major beliefs in in the judaism there is like the the you know there are many for example, Saturday. Saturday is like a, we don't do any electricity, so we don't touch electricity, don't create anything. Like in not only like reading and like praying, and like even opening the light. 
So for me, I think it's like the main thing is about like opening the light. So as mm. a child, you just like, you see like until there was a certain age that you just try to open the light and see if nothing bad happened. I guess that was a main challenge. Okay, I get used to open the light, although I think I will, something bad can happen to me. So that, I think that was a, it started like that. That was oh. the main challenge. I know it's like weird, but this is, you just like, with the time it's getting uh, easier and easier. It got easier and easier. Easier to challenge your beliefs. Yeah, just do something that is opposite what everybody tell you that is you should do or not do. Okay. Like, I mean, yeah. Some of these beliefs that society may have kind of distilled onto us may be that people should get a stable job, go to the good university and uh, retire at the age of, uh, I don't know, 65 and uh, maybe go on a vacation once or twice a year and you know, have family, two kids, white picket fence. Yeah. And I'm sure like both of us have chose very unconventional paths. I know that uh, you previously shared that you also are nomadic, a digital nomad. I've been a few years, I've been traveling, yeah. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's it's very interesting because every time I meet someone that's a digital nomad and I hear the story, there's always something interesting to learn from them because they have gone through the, they, yeah. they walked the path that very few people have walked before. And when they do that, they open their mind and they open their, uh, to more possibilities to things that they could have never had imagined uh, would happen. So for you, what are some of the discoveries that you've made along the way when you've decided to challenge your beliefs to go down this, this path? And whether it's, in some of the various different roles you've taken? Yeah, there are, there are so yeah. many and it's like, but I can tell you like the major ones, there are some of them, it's like, you just sit there and then say, oh my God, I believe in that and this actually not have to be right. So when you like attack a like which you are really conscious about a belief that you, I can show with you a few of them. For example, I remember this was in my, I was doing my master. So in my master in biology, so I thought to myself, I was like, I, I didn't feel good. And it was like, I was kind of depressed and like, um, I don't know, I, I, I had a bad relationship. And uh, I was sitting there and, and writing every day. I, I came back home and I was sitting and writing like a few hours. And it's well, for a long time. So like half a year, let's say half a year. I'm saying coming back every day from university, from my lab. And I start to write. And it was one day that I was looking at what I'm writing. And I and the cat just uh, get into the... Uh, into the room, my, my roommate had a cat. I wrote off, oh, this cat is so annoying. And then I looked at it and I said, how can it be an annoying cat? A cat cannot be annoying. What is the meaning of that cat make, it was the cat make me angry. And it was, how can it be that the cat make me angry? Something is wrong with my thinking. And because it cannot be that this cat make me angry because he don't have wire to my brain. It cannot physically or scientifically be, maybe, I'm choosing to be angry, but in this moment, like to understand that my emotions have no relation to actually like the thing, the, you know, the stimulus that's happening in the world and actually I choosing what I'm feeling. That was like a, a big uh, eye opener that I just realized that some of my emotions have like, they, they are not connected mm -hmm. to the environment, let's say. And then I had like few years of like trying to write everything down so reconfiguring all my thoughts feeling uh, and uncovering beliefs and then i can share with you many because i had many of them 
Another big belief that I noticed, and this was like a, also really eye-opener and we can get to the subject of decision-making. I was not, I noticed that also in writing and you, you thinking, and um, I noticed that sometime when I look at things that I want to do, or like, let's say something happened, I had like immediate thoughts. I, I just, I'm sharing like the decision-making mechanism. I look into why, why I'm choosing to do that, or why I'm choosing to uh, behaving in a certain way. I don't remember right now the exact belief, but it was something, but every decision that I took, there was a question that I asked myself really fast. is like, what bad can happen? What's the worst thing can happen? So there was like a risk management uh, way of thinking on everything. Like if I do something, what can bad can happen? And the thought in the thinking process, that thinking, okay, but what bad can happen? And you make a good movie because I was so, I was great at making movies in my head. The, watching so much TV and reading so much books, I, it's like, I don't know, I think we are like, we're born this way in this generation. So when you're asking a question like that, the worst that's coming to you is really bad. And then you feel a certain way. And, um, you know, it can be a horror pictures that come into your brain. And it's very difficult to continue and take risk when you're asking these questions. When you approach different, uh, you know, risk-taking questions or adventures and you're thinking uh, this way. And this led me to a whole big path of like, okay, so this is a way of thinking. What question can I ask myself differently? And why do I ask myself only one question? Like, what is the criteria that I actually use in order to evaluate everything that I do? Like, when I do something, what is my criteria that I evaluate? I understand that I want to be safe, and this is what bad can happen to me, but there's also questions like, I can reconfigure whatever question I want. And I started to look how I choose different questions to ask myself, and how do I make a decision that actually maybe uses more than one criteria? Because I used to ask myself, what bad can happen, and what can I get out of it? Let's say, is a basic thing, but this is not enough. I wanted more in life. I have more things that I, I like to... There are more criteria for decisions that I want to use. So I, I needed to relearn how do I actually make decisions which is, which is more of who I am and what I want, more complex. So this led me to the investigation and I started to learn and use it with math. So I started to uh, use math in order to uh, solve it. And with the time, I developed some ways of like uh, looking at things. With the years, many people, I help people make a lot of money. There was a certain time in my life that what was interesting for me, like meaning was, okay, I need to make money. So I put this as a, as a goal and I help many people around me to achieve this goal. And we can talk about that later, like what are the criteria? And, and I help, so usually I help people make big decisions and uh, I knew to break it down and help them, be with them. And this is like, so I developed this skill. I hope this is answering your question. Yeah, it does. The first part you mentioned about writing down your thoughts, and that was the first time you identified that you are not the victim in the, it, it kind of disassociated you with being a victim of circumstances because you decided that you choose how you respond to the your outside environment. Yeah, I can say that, yeah. Second part, you were talking about creating a criteria for making better decisions and asking the right questions. So one of them was, uh, I believe it's uh, similar to yeah. Tim Ferriss's um, fear setting exercise. Are you familiar with, with that? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, familiar. That's also something I used when I was deciding whether I should uh, be nomadic. Because when I left my job, I decided to go and travel and and not look back. And I figure, what's the worst that could what's the worst that can happen if everything doesn't work and I go broke, and then I can still figure it out. I can still move back home. I can still find a job, and not as、uh, bad. It's not like, as if I was gonna be homeless or sleep on the street. And even if I was homeless and slept on the street,、uh, it would not be、uh, <laughs> it would not be as bad as、uh, we envision and the the movies we we cast in our in our minds. Yeah. And so in doing so and talking about decisions, I, it's also a topic that I am very interested in、uh, myself. I also uh, do uh, quite some reading on that. I have a book、uh, reading now called、uh, "How to Decide."、Yeah. And what、well, right now is is talking about like decision trees, and I, I saw that that's also something that you mentioned in some of your your posts. So in terms of a make, if you have a big decision, and there are many different、uh, outcomes that could be possible, and one of the ways writing them down. What is your criteria and what is your framework for breaking down, like you said, breaking down a difficult decision? Let's say you're at life's crossroad, and you have maybe you know just similar to. Previously, when I, I left my job, I had several choices. I can move back to the U.S. I can stay, stay where I was. I can go and travel. I can start a company or do all of those things. So, how would you break down that? You you, you did start off by saying like, why do I want it?、Um, you know, and then you start asking more questions. So, what 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 are some of your your frameworks? If you have a specific example, yeah. If you want to make a decision、uh, live right now.、Uh, We can do that if you like. I don't, not, I don't know if it will be too personal. Yeah,、uh, actually, it's a little bit because if this airs, <laughs> it'll be too per- <laughs> it'll be too personal. So、um, yeah, but we can give an example. It's it's much easier with like a, a real thing. But、uh, in general, you look at every. You know, first of all, you list the options. As you said, you list the options, and under the option, you're asking the why. For every option, you can say why yes and why not. And you list them down, the yes and the not. And under every every question and every answer, there will be like a word. Now we need to list this word, and we need to accumulate them. So it can be like a, because I like to be free, because、uh, I worry that I will hurt myself, because、uh, I want to make money, because、uh, so whatever comes to you. So we have this list of questions and reasons. We need to list them down, so we can get to a list of let's say ten criteria. We just extrapolate the criteria this way. So if it's something that is、uh, negative, we can we can、uh, just reverse it. I want to be healthy instead of like get hurt. It's like I want to keep myself、uh, in a great、uh, shape. I don't know,、uh, more healthy. And、uh, I just talk to the person and we extrapolate the list. and And he look at the list and I say like, listen, this is okay. So we have these ten criteria. So if we if we make the answer using all these ten criteria, if we choose a, the options that, you know, maximize these ten criteria, if it will be okay for you, will be it, with with this will be enough. And if the answer is yes, we know that we have like a nice bunch of criteria to make a, a now a, a, a conscious decision. I can now、uh, get into like how do you do what you do with that with this list, what actually you do with that, and、uh, how do you calculate? So basically. With the time, it's I understood that、um, so it's something like about our working memory, as if to make the calculation like in our head, it's like we don't have enough space, as if as if like my working memory is not enough, 
And when you investigate the, the idea of working memory, you see that you, you don't hold many objects in your working memory. They were talking about this something, something called Miller law, and it's like seven to nine or seven plus minus two. But actually in the recent research, it's so like it's maybe like four or five objects that you can actually hold in your, in your working memory in the same time. So making a decision like that, when you have a few criterias and few options, is on the verge of like impossible. So, and we beat ourselves up when we look at that and we actually require to make this decision. You know, they ask you, okay, what you want to, where you, what you want to learn, where you want to go to university, um, I don't know, who you want to marry. So they're asking, especially when we are younger, we need to make like, you know, life decisions, like big, big decision. And we are not equipped and never nobody actually equipped us. It's not like they, they study this or learn this at school. How do you make a decision? Let's, let's decide now what food better to eat. How do you, how do you approach it even? And I think that, so I think most of the people lack the tools for, and I, I guess it's part of the education system that it's like, we are not being trained in making decisions because perhaps it's like a, I'm not sure it's like a, a encouraged for the child to make his own decision or for the student to make his own decisions. So it's not like something that is groomed. How without this guy making great decisions, he like control it. And so in a way, I think this is a subject that people need to dive much more into and understand there are frameworks, there are ways to do that. And it's actually required, it's actually quite simple, but we just need to give it a little bit attention. I think if a person like consciously like try to make a decision a few times with pen and paper, all the tools that people have, it's like, right, why yes, why not? Make a column and write positive and negative. Uh, uh, mm. I think there is a little bit more mm. to that because the why and why we, what we care about is also, it's, it changed between person to person. So your, your criteria for decision can be really different from another person's criteria for decision. We need to know what is our personal uh, criteria for making a decision. This is the first thing we need to like wake up in the morning and say that. We need to know, we need to be aware what who we are, what is our needs, mm. because I think it changed from a person to person. As far as I see, it changes. So some people, their need will be much higher for a certain, they will have like an active need, which is higher than other person and their decision will be different. And I think we grow up in, in a society with all the experts and everybody know better than you. And you go and you ask a person like, what should I do? Nobody know to answer you. People are their own best experts, but they need to get into the nitty gritty and find out what is their own frameworks. What, what's going on? What, what they care about? What they want? So a lot of my work on this is on this subject. I can, I can dive into like the math of that. I can, I can dive into body work. I do a lot of body work, which is related to that because the decision of movement is very similar decision. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I, I can dive into the memory and working memory. How can we enhance it? What can we do? Is there some hacks that we can use? So this is like my main work in the recent years, I guess. Yeah, you brought up a good point that the, the values are different from person to person. And I would also say the, the values change or may change over time as well through different phases of someone's, of someone's life. Absolutely. Yeah. Something you may value when uh, you were younger completely. Absolutely. Different. Exactly. You mentioned that 
the math of the decision making. I'm interested to see, like to hear more about that. How how do you yeah. use math to tabulate it? So I can talk about that. It's a little bit in my book. I will say like my book, the entrepreneur's journey, is actually in the end of my book. I put some appendixes. I give some example and I calculate with people the math. There are many software tools that already encapsulate the math, so you don't need to know the math. But I will t- I will explain it generally what is needed. What is needed in general is a sorting the ability to sort so if you have like a seven criteria now you need the ability to first of all sort the criteria you know who what is like the most and you know what is the the smallest one and you have some ratios between them so the ratio between the how much they are important to you this need to be known so this is like the goal now how do you do that there is math that is called AHP that to make this calculation but there are, there are different ways to get to this list of sorted list. We can actually put notes and we can just sort the notes. But once we have this list and the um, ratio between the elements, how much this is stronger than the second one, how much stronger than this from the first one. So this is like the basic of the math. And we do the same for the option. And we do for every criteria, for every one of the option. And we start to like triangulate. Um, it's matrix as calculations. But the software can do it really easily. So with the software, you just like can say, okay, this is a double importance, much more important than this one, and this one is less important. And you actually do it by a pairwise comparison. So everything is solved. If, if I'm too complex, you can stop me. But what we need to solve is a pairwise comparison, meaning people are great at making judgments. So we are judgment machines. Mm. I don't know why, yeah. but this is something we are great at. If I need to ask you what is better, this or this, you are amazing in that. But if it's already a multi-criteria decision, you'll get lost because the math, the brain find it hard to calculate. So I need to serve you this, uh, this criteria. I need to just to serve you this or this. So we go like half an hour or one hour and I just serve you the elements and the math already calculate everything. So I just, you, you serve it as pairs. So if I got this correctly, the math is essentially a way of understanding the relationship between all of the different sets of criteria. Um, basically, if you have uh, seven seven factors that you calculate yeah. for in your criteria, whether, uh, yeah, yeah you get the, the, the weight. So it's pretty much the weighting, the weighting for each criteria. And you use, you, you set them in pairs so that it's easy for you to say, okay, if I'm weighing against freedom versus convenience, for example, or convenience versus uh, cost or, or convenience versus freedom. Exactly. Okay. And once you figure out all of these elements and then you have maybe, can you have criteria that are equal in weight to each other? Yeah. Okay. But you will have several criteria that would be probably a lot less than weighted than the, the other yeah. ones. Your undecisiveness will not, it will not be, if a person is undecisive, it's okay. The math will take care of it. It doesn't matter because there will be some criteria which is more important to you and there will be more, some criteria that less important to you and we can figure it out. There is an answer. Almost to every decision, there is an answer. Sometime you will not be happy so much with answer, you know, and, uh, but uh, at least that we see what we want, that, will, that is nice. So the next step is what to have a sliding scale for each of these criteria. The next step in the decision making, you mean? 
Well, yeah, once you set the weight of the of each criteria. Yeah, and so after you set the weights of the criteria, then you look at the option and you rate the options versus one criteria. And then the other, all the options versus the second criteria. Well, then all the options, but only in the, the, in the same dimension. Okay. Let's say from the eight cars, which car is the most convenient? Okay, this one. And you just like sort it according to one criteria. And then the math combine all of them together into an answer. It's kind of easy math. It's not something complex, but we never just train. Okay, the idea is that you're not realizing, people don't realize that even intangible things like my sense of freedom or my love still can be transferred into, into numbers. So because we are not used to, intangible a world can transfer into a tangible world. Because all we come from, let's say if you're a programmer, I notice it a lot. It's like in the recent, I think it's the, the, the last decade. It's like because we are so much with the digital world, we somehow think that the world is actually working this way. So if you go like, let's say you go to the park and you look at five trees and I ask you, what is the highest tree? You actually look at that and say, I'm not sure I know. Because, you know, it's like it's in reality, when we look at things, is that we don't have an answer. We all the time feel into the answers. We barely know, even like, what is the highest tree? We barely know the answer for the highest tree. And highest tree, if you ask, if you ask a person, a computer, what is the highest tree? As if, like, thing coming with numbers. We used to think that, so we, we live in some kind of a dreamland that thinking, like, actually things have numbers. They don't have numbers. Mm. Life do not have these numbers. Sometimes, you know, we can use AI and we can use like big data in order to get some numbers, mm -hmm. which is great. But we usually, it's not enough we, because the intangible, it's what is missing. So for me, for, for example, I helped in the past to entrepreneur, like to build like a central BI. So you, you have like, let's say a startup and or a company and operation, and you see that they don't take any reasonable decisions. They don't use data at all. And then you build, you put mathematician, mathematicians and they try to get some answers but all the time because they don't know the mathematician don't know to to work with intangible uh, data so they're missing all the time like the values of the company they will miss like so important things that they think that it it's enough the data that they have but it's not enough mm. so we used to big data as if thing coming with data they don't come with data and even the things that are most accurate that we think like let's say traffic decision so i give in my book example of like you need to choose between SEO and PPC and like, you know, some traffic channel still is not enough. The data is usually missing, missing information, which is intangible information. And I can give example for that. I know that Gilbert, you are in this, uh, you like this area of marketing. Yeah, so I can give you a specific example of like marketing media by examples that you see him. Oh my God, it's like people making wrong decisions, even like in the things in things that are totally supposed to be tangible. So people, we, we, we dive very fast into the subject of AI when we're missing all the intangible world because we don't do enough work on ourselves to understand our value and we don't know how to use that. So this is what I usually help the company, especially in startups. In the beginning phases, it will become even more hard, like mm -hmm. to make the decisions. I don't know if this will be, this was clear enough. But uh, I can dive into many subjects here. Yeah, uh, it sounds clear on for the benefit of the audience. The challenge is understanding what you value. And once you you figure out what you value, now you can go through all of this the math of it and quantify. Or even like you said, uh, some of the things that are that seem like there is no 
particular numbers to it, but we can look for ways to take an intangible value, something that you may not necessarily have. It's not quantifiable directly, such as the weather, like enjoying the summer in or enjoying the winter in like for me, winter in New York. I like the winters in New York. For me, that that in terms of making decisions, that's that that definitely has the weather is definitely uh, something that's normally it's intangible. I mean, in terms of temperature, yeah, you could look at the temperature, but in terms of the feeling, the feeling exactly. of winter, the feeling of winter, all about the feeling. Yeah, yeah, the feeling of winter, feeling of summer, and like in Hong Kong, I hate I hate the summers in like Hong Kong because it feels <laughs> the feeling of summer is, is terrible. You just walk up the hill, and uh, within uh, two minutes, you're 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 completely soaked in, in in sweat. That that is what you mean by taking the intangible and quantifying it. And the, usually, you have like a many criteria of feelings. And it's weird that it's and it's feelings. It will always be feelings. And this is I put I say I say it on a. It's very important to understand that it's about the feeling that we have about mm. things because there is no numbers. So we need to use our feeling and to make decisions with our feelings. And that is the beauty of a human being. And I dive into the subject of feeling. It's like people think that it's very now to do a decision is something is you know is very, very rational. But actually, what you feel about different things will be the your exploration. We will need to dive into questions like, where do you feel more here or in this? Subject? Like, it's very gentle feelings that you need to like actually tap into. Now, when a person is really blocked and is like, a, he cannot make decision at all because he's not able to tap his own feelings. Mm. So it will be very difficult for him to make decision. So actually giving a person the framework, which is very mathematical, uh, you know, matrices, it forces him to just be with his feelings, because in the end, it's only his feelings that counts. So there is some kind of, we can call it the feminine and the masculine. So with the decision making, I bring to the person the masculine. So I represent the masculine, but allowing the person to feel into the different areas, questions that he never asked himself. Mm. Usually the question, even the simple decisions that you have, it will be a question you never ask yourself, because you never like look at it like, you never give it enough attention. And the, the beauty of it that every decision that you make and you, you dive into them, you learn to know yourself more a little bit. So with time, you learn more about yourself and more about yourself and you know the answer already. You know, yeah, I'm the type of person that prefer that on that. And I feel into that. You get more clarity of who you are by, I guess, this support that somebody is with you and just giving you the space to, to make the decision. Mm. And I can give example, I, I said the example of like people in my life, like small decisions. And you say, you know what, let's figure it out. This small decision, I know it's small. Let's figure it out. The beauty underneath that, you see how a person, how a person is like such a complex, you know, like a, a complex and is like so colorful. People like they, they have deep reasons for things. And you look at that and it is like, ah, no, just do that. Even th things that look for you very small, people have like deep reasons. And it's like they are very calculated and they try to do really the best they can. Yeah. And this is what I often think. People try to do the best they can. But we just, we don't give it enough attention. We don't give people enough attention with this, uh, the self questions that they have and these decisions that they have. So you're saying we don't allow them the space to uh, really go into... Um what they care about. We're not allowing this space. Mm.
it's like sounds like we are and it's nice to say that we are we're not allowing this space so do you see this happening a lot in the the world of startups as well because there is that on one hand there is an expectation to to perform well yeah and people entrepreneurs may not be necessarily very open to sharing their feelings in, in that. What, what do you see entrepreneurs making like mistakes on in this decision-making process? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I listed the mistakes. Sadly, most of the mistakes and mistakes that I did. So I look at all my mistakes and I done many. <laughs> I was like, I jumped into many things in my life and I done many mistakes and I looked at them and I, I wrote the book because of to show like the mistakes. So I put it in eight steps and I start to like to structure everything. So in a way, there is a, some kind of a matrix here of four uh, cells and each cell is divided to two. And there is a, there is a transition that's happening between the quadrant. Now, first quadrant, and here it's individual, internal. So things that happen inside the individual. And then there is internal collective, things that happen inside the team as a collective. And uh, then we have like system. So it's external um, collective, which is usually the systems. So decisions that related to systems, which is more development. And, uh, and then we have like uh, the external individual, which is actually the user. And we have decisions that related to that. So each one of these areas and the entrepreneur journey, I put it that it starts from the self, which is an internal individual. And he moved to the, he make a big jump. And this is every startup. They make a big jump. So from being like themselves, they suddenly need to be as a team. I say need because there is some kind about the collaboration that's happening, which is something that is unfamiliar. So if you look at like Hero Journey or, you know, Avatar, I don't know, so let's say Avatar and you go like to this planet. And this is in every story or Harry Potter, which is going to another, you know, dimension. Our, our dimension as entrepreneurs is this movement shifting from ourselves, being with ourselves, suddenly to a collaboration with people. Now, this is like there is a collective between, there is a shift. It's a mindset shift that's happening. You don't do things yourself. You can try to do things yourself, but now doing big things is never yourself. And this is a big transition. So many of the mistakes will be already in the shift. In the shift between a self and the collective will be there. Now, I will say more. I will say like, so let's say one of, if I start from the beginning, the, the stages of sensing, I call it the first stage is sensing. It's like, what is our idea? We have many ideas. People, if you, I think that if you look at startup, it's just ideas. You know, but there are, I don't know, billions of billions of ideas, great ideas that are happening every day. Every moment, there are millions of ideas around the world. What happened to these ideas? So I, I look more uh, carefully about the, how we choose between our ideas. What is the parameters that we actually choose between the ideas? Because I have many ideas and you have many ideas and he have many ideas. And some of them we say yes, and some we say no, and some we think we should, some we think we shouldn't. And I tend to see that what we, what's happening in general, something that is happening is this is mistakes, but it's still a, let's say it is a big mistake that you make a startup or you make a company because it look really good. It's a great idea, amazing idea. It can make a change in the world. Things look good, but you forget one thing. You <laughs> do not really care about that. It's not something that's really important to you. Yes, it can succeed. Yes, it's great. But it's not really important to you. This is a mistake because not making it personal, so the startup is not personal to you, have a big issue. And now you will never admit it. What is it what's happening is that they start a startup, which is they don't really care about, but they want to make, they want to make the startup, but they drive 
So the missing drive and the missing of the drive all the time is making a big effect. You need to know who you are and what you care about in order to make a decision in the beginning that you care about. And I'm not saying like it doesn't have to be care about like saving the planet because I'm not you want to make a contribution. But what about you? What you care about, not about saving the planet right now. Let's talk about like what you care. You are a type of person that they, let's say, like to get feedback from people, like to feel respected. Is it important to you in the startup? You like to, I don't know, the way people look at you, the way that you will be, is it part of the equation of your startup? So many times it will be, they haven't thought about it enough and they make a decision and go to a startup that they don't care about. So this is a big one. Would you say that a majority of the startups out there have one more or less have founders that may come up with an idea that they think it's a great idea, but they don't really have that personal connection to the, the idea? Yeah. What they have, that it's their idea, which is also beautiful. It's already great that it's their idea, which is great. Because this, the fact that it's their idea, it's already giving them some energy. But that's what they have. <laughs> this is like what they have. Yes, it's their idea. Is it enough for the team that it's their idea? Is it enough? What about the rest? If it is it, this is a value that it's their idea, it's a value to make a startup. They take it very personal that it's their idea. And then they think, okay, we need to make our idea into reality. Does it matter? So it's a, it's a little bit, there is a, there is a positive element to that, mm -hmm. but it's really not enough for making a drive to like going uh, with the force of nature, let's call it like that. Uh, so this is the beginning and I, and I spec it like all across the way. So there will be agile mistakes. There will be marketing mistakes. There will be like, so that's what I'm, this is a book about. And the reason that startups fail, I mean, this is some. This is a question that many have tried to answer. In your opinion, which decision, well, of course, is a group of decisions over time, but is the decision that we just talked about where it's starting from the idea that they actually don't make the startup personal to them, is that really one of the core reasons that the, the startup doesn't pull through? The, uh, the question, what is startup? Because when it's uh, you have many ideas, and you don't even express them, is it considered a startup that they failed? If you thought about a brilliant idea that you really like, and you never told to anybody, is, is it considered a startup that it failed? Because all of this exists. Or what about the people that do not express themselves? And, and is it a startup that failed? Or we look in only on people that just got investments? And this is failed. What only it listed in TechCrunch is considered startups that is failed. So it's also a question: What is a startup? What I'm not I'm not here to answer like why they are failing. I'm here to support. I don't know the individual. I don't know what is like what's a, why is they failing. I can tell you from research. It's like a, when VC is looking at teams, let's say like that. The main criteria, and I saw I write it in the book, and I look at articles and I investigate the subject uh, because I don't know the reason. What they want to see is like ability. They want to see if they've done it before. Mm. So that will be the main the main criteria for VCs to invest. Have they have proven experience already? So can they do it? Because they and can the team do it? It's not even about the idea. That's the main criteria for VCs. So usually like taking in a mentor in the beginning, for example, or making a nice team that have proven record, that will be really nice for the startup. So but this then we're getting into the world of the collective. Yeah, sometimes it's also chicken and egg because to have that nice, so-called nice team that has done some stuff, they also, to put such a team together will also require uh, potentially uh, resources. And you'd be surprised how many of like big guys, experienced entrepreneur willing 
to give to get one percent or half a percent to and to serve as advisor for this company and great names if you have contact with people that done things in the past and they're entrepreneurs that have success in the past just give them like half a percent like give them like gives that they can give their input so this is a this is like basic if i could redoom the time and go 20 years back that's the first thing i will do and i'm not saying it in order for people to give me i'm saying it like just like find the people in your area in your niche that done it before and give him a percent what is so story what is a big story about this yeah so it's, so you're saying is that uh, starting off is like you got 100 of the pie and you take 10 of that and then you identify people in your in your network you even say 10 i say one percent yeah no oh, 10 uh, total but you're giving it out to to no, various I just one more person half a percent give to to somebody is really experienced i've done it before made an exit in your field give him a one percent call him they say listen you don't need to do anything just get one percent and let's check in let me advise with you uh, once every quarter i just want to talk a little bit uh, many of them will say yeah of course yeah. they will be happy to yeah for having just coffee or just spending an hour yeah yeah it's very basic yeah so this is mistakes this is like people not clear enough about the beginning stuff they're not clear about what they want they're not clear about who to work with how to work with that they're not when they don't and cl- not clear about all the rest of the journey what they're up to they, they have no clue what they're going to what they're up to like building a you know a mechanism of like operation operational mechanism like you know sales machines and like building like people like to do like you know marketing and like making sure everything working every day all these things they, they have no clue about they don't think enough about what's going to be this is what i suggest the book i suggest like to just go with the book and look at about all the, the different stages of the company and plan ahead like what is the thing that you should consider from the beginning I mean said that I mean we could spend here we could sit here all day talking about making decisions but for sure for those that want to get the most out of they should check out your book the entrepreneur journey which is out on Amazon and on the, since uh, we're wrapping up this interview do you have any parting advice for entrepreneurs and would-be entrepreneurs listening to to this episode yeah anything you'd like to share with them I will share that they I don't know do something you care about and you you can't do it be smart and like put around you like people that support you when you have an idea I have people that are supportive you know when my daughter come with with a, with a picture that she painted and she she's five I will tell her wow this is amazing it's beautiful why not so we need to learn to do this to understand that what we are and what we make is beautiful and Not to be so critical this is not in the beginning stages to say things like that this is not nice this is not beautiful this is not enough because the criteria that we use to judge things are totally will be totally wrong yeah it will be a mistake I can show you show me about my daughter why it's not a beautiful picture explain me what is not explain me why it's not with all the logic because it doesn't work this way. People need to be very careful about the judgment and the voices they have inside their head. Mm, that's, that's very wise because, again, the criteria changes over time as well. So that's, that's very wise. With that, um, come to the conclusion. And it's been great to have you on the show, Alon. And everyone that's listening, if you enjoyed this episode, give Alon a follow, buy his book. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to him. Where is the best way to reach out to you? Is it on LinkedIn? I don't know. I'm everywhere. LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere is good for me. Awesome. I will leave the, all the information in the show notes. And we'll see everyone on the next episode. Thank you for coming on the show, Alon. Thank you, Gilbert. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. You can find more episodes every Tuesday. If you haven't done so, please subscribe for more updates as they come. Until next time.